So we turn to my great and dear friend Joe Grogan, former director of the White House Domestic Policy Council. We serve together. He's currently a fellow at the USC Schaefer Center. Joe, first of all, welcome, my friend. I hope you are well. I haven't spoken to you in a while. It's been too long, Larry. It's great to hear your voice and be on your show. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Now, you and uh, our dear friend Casey Mulligan wrote a terrific piece in the Wall Street Journal this past week. Fentanyl overdose rates are rising. So I'm quoting you, 108,000 fatalities in 2021. Uh, Joe, that number's rising, is it not? And in, in 2022, it could be worse? Yeah, I don't expect it to get any better. I think you're exactly right. It's It's going almost vertical. Mm. right now among uh, whites and blacks. And I think the big uh, finding that Casey and I came up with that no one's really paying attention is, is the fact that the black overdose rate has crossed over about years ago from the white race, uh, overdose rate. And now it's just going, it's, it's just horrific. And at the same time point, the border's wide open and we have a movement to defund the police and not prosecute crimes. And it's it's not going to get any better. As a matter of fact, as difficult as it is to believe, I think it's going to get worse. Mm. A quote from your op-ed piece. President Biden's most recent budget pays scant attention to the problem, while his national drug control strategy provides resources like clean syringe programs. Isn't that great? that aren't coupled with strategies to help patients beat their addictions. I mean, really? Um, What should they be doing, Joe? I want to get to the border in a second. But what should they have done, this national drug control strategy? Well, first and foremost, looking at the budget, there's six times as much uh, narrative space to climate uh, change than there is to the overdose naturally in the the budget. Naturally, yeah. And then they, in the section that they do talk about, they talk about drug use and not drug abuse. And it may just be semantics to some people, but really they're not focusing on getting people into treatment who need it, getting people sober. And they basically are turning um, a whole new, in a whole new direction to just decriminalize this and give people clean syringes and, and quote unquote safe places to be high. But the and cost for individuals and families who are struggling with this is just absolutely catastrophic. So what they need to be doing is turning away from, one, uh, not um, prosecuting fentanyl crimes and drug crimes the way they are. They've consistently um, crawled into bed with civil rights organizations who claim that uh, prosecuting fentanyl crimes is going to lead to over-incarceration. I'm certainly not in favor of over-incarceration, but the fact of the matter is we have drug dealers that are running amok through our nation's cities, and we are turning too many people over to uh, be victims to this, um, to, to the predations of drug dealers. So one thing we need to do is clamp down on uh, the crimes. Two, we need a total rethink on treatment. Mm-hmm. We have to stop normalizing addiction and drug and a lot of these overdoses are recreational drug users who are bumping into fentanyl without really realizing it. They may not be looking for fentanyl, but it's in their marijuana, it's in cocaine that they're trying, and then they 
they have overdoses and we need to refocus that this is not fun stuff. We need to get people sober, keep them sober and uh, and redo the way we're doing treatment in this country, which is not effective. We have a terrible failure rate of uh, treatment. We're only getting, you know, you're lucky if you go to a treatment center with a 17 percent success rate. Mm. Um, and we've got we've to make sure that people get high quality treatment, increase transparency. Um, there's a group of us, actually, uh, Larry, who from the Trump administration, who have formed a not-for-profit, um, and I certainly don't make any money off this, but to try and give people scholarships to get them treatment when they need it. Mm. And high-quality treatment focus on um, you know, getting them treatment for as long as they need, get them high-quality uh, inpatient care, and that's what some people need. Mm. And the Biden administration is turning, mm. um, turning their backs on these people and just saying, hey, listen, uh, being addicted to drugs is not, not that the deal we're going to try and and make sure they have clean needles and such you know joe of course you know i mean you and i brothers i'm i'm coming up to 27 years sober and clean i went through treatment 27 years ago it worked so it can work it can work and if you need scholarships scholarships should be available absolutely it's so important um so that's a really good point joe let me turn to the border though uh, you write in this, um, most of the additional fatal overdoses post-COVID involve methamphetamine <clears throat> and fentanyl made in Mexico, China, and India. For each overdose death, more than 100 people struggle with debilitating addictions to these dangerous substances. Mexico, China, and India. So I was at the G20 meeting dinner in uh, Argentina um, with Xi, President Xi of China and President Trump. Okay, we were there. This is a bunch of years ago. I think it was 2019. First thing President Trump asked Xi, first thing, and before we got to the trade part of it, Joe, was to make fentanyl uh, a death penalty in China. Mm -hmm. And Xi quickly said, yes, he would. But I don't think he made good on his promise. And I'm saying, and you could, I want you to tell us about this. What I think is happening, what I hear, what I read, gossip, China is still uh, sending the raw materials of fentanyl to Mexico. Mexico, you know, the drug cartels then use their chemistry and put the stuff together, and then they sell the goddamn stuff to the United States. All right, so China is still culpable, and Mexico is still culpable. Now, you tell me, is that is that wrong or, or what? Because this is part of the open borders problem. These drug dealers, right, the cartels run the borders, for heaven's sakes. Not the Biden, not America, but the cartels. Yeah, you're exactly right. I, you pegged it. Uh, everything that uh, I can gather speaking to, with law enforcement and, and professionals is um, you're exactly right. China uh, did redirect shipments from China that were going directly into the United States as a result of pressure from the Trump administration. But then now they're shipping it to Mexico, where it's coming across the open border, which, you know, was quiescent and under control when Donald Trump left office. And now it's totally lawless. And the cartels are moving tons of fentanyl across the border which is getting mixed in with all sorts of products, as I mentioned before. It's so 
inexpensive and so powerful, uh, the economics of it are such that the dealers are mixing it in in order to um, save money. And you've got to get the border under control if we're going to make any dent. I mean, we made a dent uh, under Donald Trump's leadership on the overdose crisis. It was going down for the first time in since CDC was keeping data in 2019. It Then we got hit by COVID, all the lockdowns, uh, the enhanced unemployment benefits hurt as well. And it's been taking off like a rocket ship since then. And, and a big part of it is the innovation of the illicit market. Now, we're going to need innovation on the part of our pharmaceutical companies to come up with new overdose reversal agents, mm-hmm. uh, non-addictive treatments so that people who are in pain don't start with addictive opioids and then move on to uh, illegal drugs. But the big problem right now is not legal opioids, legal painkillers. It's the illegal stuff. And you're exactly right. It's because the Biden administration is not prosecuting these crimes and they haven't gotten control of the border. We're talking to uh, Joe Grogan, who is a dear friend. He's former director of the White House Domestic Policy Council. Uh, We were there together when I was running NEC. Um, Just on this point, Joe, there's, as you know, a big debate about Title 42 which Trump administration implemented, that could have been one of yours. I don't know. Were you involved in that? Um, yeah, that was in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, that's we what took I thought. Plenty of criti- we took plenty of criticism when we put it in place that it wasn't justified. But, but it, uh, boy, was it justified. But it, it was worked. the right thing to do. Yeah, right. it was the right thing, and it worked. All right, Absolutely. so you, you were the godfather of that. God bless. But now, Joe, they want to end Title 42. Um, and Bill Haggerty has an interesting uh, thought. Maybe you know about this. Senator Haggerty wants to keep Title 42, but the uh, health care warning would be fentanyl so that we, yeah. you know, that's, we could go after the fentanyl and turn people back, you know, if there was any evidence. Not that we check them for COVID. We'll check them for fentanyl. So mm-hmm. uh, in the last minute, what do you think of that? Is that workable? It, it could be, yeah. What you're going to need is you need an administration to show leadership and talk to CDC say, hey, listen, we're losing over 100,000 Americans every year. This is a critical crisis, and uh, it's a public health emergency. It, the, certainly the logic to do for Title 42 with, um, with COVID applies to fentanyl. Title 42 uh, is a public health um, action. Now, the thing is, though, to be honest, if they were backing the, CP, the Border Patrol and yeah. the law enforcement at the border, yeah. we be in this discussion uh, <laughs> right. with, with, you know. I how mean, about that? Yeah. How, how about know, remain board- in Mexico? How about build the wall? Right. How about, you know, overfund all the border control agencies? How about that? Yeah, but <laughs> be an ally to those guys and stop undercutting them and selling them out. I mean, we, we the Trump administration got the border under control without Title 42. I mean, it was an additional um, asset, but it, look at what the Biden administration has yeah. done with Title 42 in place. Mm. And now it's only going to get infinitely worse because it's the only thing that's that's got uh, that's got any type of slowdown in the immig- illegal immigration crisis and the lawlessness at the border. And without anything else, without putting any other controls in place, they're just going to pull t- Title 42. And in the middle of the summer, mm. we're going to have far more crossings, and we're going to have a continuing overdose crisis accelerating in this country. All right. You nailed it. Joe Grogan, 
dear friend, director of the White House Domestic Policy Council, fellow at USC, USC Schaefer Center. Thank you, Joe. Great piece. Thank you, Larry. All right, talk soon. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.